Welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word, the podcast that empowers you to say fuck being fine. Tired of being stuck in a place where you say everything's fine, when it's really not fine at all? You're not alone. I'm your host, Lori Seitz. I've been there too, and so have my guests. Here's a secret. All it takes is a conscious decision to change and then restructure beliefs so your actions take you in the right direction. That's where Fine is a Four-Letter Word comes in. Each week, you'll hear inspiring stories from people who have transformed their lives and businesses and practical tips and takeaways to move you from spinning in place to forward action so you can create a life of joy. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. All human beings, like you, are guided by a set of values. But when you stop and think about it, do you really know where those values came from? What's more, will they hold up when the universe calls your bluff? Jason Seiden's career journey started on third base, right at the height of the dot-com boom. His first job was as an executive producer at RollingStone.com. Through an early career that saw a dizzying rise in his professional profile and a tall stack of achievements, he was fortunate enough to have bosses and colleagues who gave him the space and grace to grow at his own pace. Among his discoveries was the challenge in defining the concept of work-life balance. In 2009, he trademarked a word, pro-personal to frame this challenge. He had a great career combined with a wonderful family. Everything seemed fine, but fine is a four-letter word. In 2016, he got divorced, one of his daughters became chronically ill, and he had to put his beloved dog down. His consulting career came to a halt, and he took a W-2 job. He was fearful of letting his new employer know his life had become messy which was a challenge and contradiction to his values around how work and life cannot be separated. Then, on July 22, 2018, his 15-year-old daughter, no longer able to stand the pain from her chronic illness, took her own life. He was forced to reevaluate his values in literally one day, as if the universe was challenging him. Oh yeah? You're going to talk about this? You're going to make this your thing? Let's see you live your values now, Sidon. In a moment, when you meet Jason, you'll learn about his journey to rediscovering joy following his daughter's passing, how it showed him the true, deeper source of his values, and how you, too, can pass them on to family, friends, colleagues, and everybody you encounter. It involves creating a new relationship with your intuition and learning radical self-acceptance when you find yourself falling short of living up to your values on any particular day. Overall, Jason had to break free from the emotional shit show brought on when everything fell apart so that he could go on to be a positive force for change. Like Jason, if it hasn't happened already, you may find yourself making a values choice. Do you want to live a life of purpose with passion and leave an incredible legacy? Or do you just want to be able to get out of bed every morning? Wherever this finds you right now, a better version of you is waiting. If what you're doing, if how you're living today isn't bringing you joy, it's time to change. That's why I created the Fuck Being Fine experience. 
It's a life-changing program that gives you the strategies, tools, and encouragement to create new habits that will help you feel more alive, confident, and purposeful. Discover how it works at zenrabbit.com slash F being fine program. I'll put a link to that in the show notes because it's kind of long. Don't waste one more minute feeling unfulfilled. Right now, Jason Seiden's waiting for us. He's right over there in the corner booth. Let's go. Hello and welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My guest today is Jason Seiden. Welcome to the show, Jason. Hi, thanks, Lori. Glad to be here. I don't even remember how we met. It is. It was so many years ago. I know it was more than 12 years ago. Yeah, I think it had to do with cookies. I think there were cookies involved. Did it have to do with cookies or your book? What was your first book? Uh, my first book was How to Self-Destruct, Making the Least of What's Left of Your Career. Yes, that was the book. Yeah. You know, and now, Looking back now, it feels like I, I threw down the gauntlet for myself. But that's a totally different story. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We have like five different stories right? we could cover today. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Um, yeah, I remember that book. I wonder what happened to my copy. I don't know where it is. I uh, have to go find it. Yeah, for sure. I think there, <laughs> now, I'm, I, now I'm intrigued. You know, I, I occasionally still get asked for um, for uh, for copies. Actually, somebody just uh, on LinkedIn just commented on something that I, I wrote. And they're like, you know, when's when's part two coming out? And the way the world is right now, maybe maybe we're ready for part two. <laughs> we'll, we'll to I see. think so. It could be. Yeah, it could be the prime time for it. Right. All right. So before we get into all of that, I'd like to know where it all started. What were the values and beliefs that you were raised with that contributed to you becoming who you who you became as a young adult and even to to today? Um, yeah, you know, it's boy, it's an interesting question. I think so. Bef- as a preamble to the answer, I think I would have answered that differently before I had kids because. You know, you become a parent and you want to instill these values and you hope that one day your kids will look back and say, oh, this is what I learned. And, and, uh, well, first of all, I learned very early, like kids come out fully, you know, it's in there. They have to blossom, but like everything they need is, I'm just getting stuff off the high shelf while they're, you know, waiting for them. I can keep them safe from the stove (laughs) while waiting for them. That's a great analogy. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then my daughter for, she got asked this question for one of her college essays. And she wrote about um, she wrote about the word emes, which means truth in Hebrew, and that's that was what we used. I still use it, right? So we, it's that's the safe word in our house. Right? So there's a lot of teasing, there's a lot of kidding, but you know, life, you know, sharp elbows sometimes hurt, and you can ask somebody emes, right? And that's when they have to stop and tell you the truth. Like, are they are they bullshitting mm. you or, or not? Um, and so she wrote about that, and that wasn't anything I ever taught her. That was just something we did. So here you're asking me, like, how did I learn the values? I have no idea, right? It's right? like, you know, before I had kids, I would have said, well, my parents taught me this. And I learned the fact is, is where I grew up, um, I I always had education as a value. Uh, you know, that it was always sort of modeled for me to be curious, to ask why. Um, there were a lot of things uh, I learned that you have to reach people on their level. That one, um, that one I learned because I, I had some mentors in my life who they had great advice. I just couldn't metabolize it. And so when I got to a, a later stage, I was like, you know what? I, I got to be empathetic and I have to, 
uh, make sure that people can metabolize what I'm sharing. So that curiosity, uh, the uh, the empathy, right? Truth with empathy, um, and um, you know, life's not fair. Uh, you should be a good person uh, for the sake of being a good person, but don't ever expect it back because <laughs> you're just like mm-hmm. you know the right. the uh, the giving is for uh, you, the giving has to be what you're doing it for, not the get, just the give, because there's no, you're not right, getting anything. Right, right. Give without expectation and, and actually live without expectation because that's where the disappointment comes in, right? When right. we expect people to be a certain way and they're not. Yeah. All right. So exactly. So these are, these are values that I grew up with um, that, you know, when you ask me, like, what are the things that make me, me? These are the things that come to mind. But when you add to the question, you know, where did you learn them? How did you learn them? Um, after watching my kids, I tell you, I have no idea. I mean, these are, they're just, they were part of the family and the community where I grew up. Uh, and so they became yeah. me. Yeah, very cool. And then, so obviously, as you took those values and beliefs and have now passed them down to your kids. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what else did you I, I, what else did you do with them in terms of using them for your own life like how did they play into you becoming like what what did you do you went to college you got to yeah. started working like how did those play into that you know you becoming who you developed into um well it's a journey Right. It's, um, yeah. I wish I could look back and say I was intentional every step of the way. And, and the truth is, is, uh, I was intentional about some things. I made some mistakes. You know, when you're, when you're young and you're always betting on the promise of things, sometimes it looks like you're acting in alignment with your values and you're not. Right. Which you, you know, but it's, that only, that only comes back in, in hindsight. And, and I'm not talking about anything major. I'm talking about, um, you know, choosing careers and, and, you know, you, take a job thinking it's going to be, uh, oh, I get to use this skill. And you're like, eh, no, I don't. Um, <laughs> so I, you know, I've always had an entrepreneurial streak. I've always hmm. spoken truth to power. Um, I've learned over the years to be better at how I do that. Uh, but I, you know, I, I chose a career path that gave me the freedom to build things and to explore and to take risks and to make mistakes. And Sometimes that meant joining companies where uh, there were leaders in place who would provide me that freedom and some guardrails. Sometimes it meant building my own company, or sometimes it meant uh, consulting to companies who uh, who need that maybe in a short burst. You know, but mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. truth to power yeah. is not something you need around every day. Uh, so, you know, my career's been a story. Um, because yeah, tell 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 me some of that story. Or uh, I know some of it, but yeah. share with my listeners. Yeah, well, you know, and it, and it's probably the important the, pieces. Yeah, I was just going to say it's like the least important story of my life, but the, <laughs> there, there are some highlights. Uh, so you know, I was lucky. I graduated into the dot com boom. I was very lucky. My first job to be the executive producer of RollingStone.com. Like that was just crazy times. That is that is so amazing. Right? Like I'm just. Because I'm into music too, and I just am like, wow, that would be so cool. I know, and and I was such a jackass back then. Um, <laughs> I, I really like, isn't 
you know, I just you know, appreciation for all the people who are my coworkers, <laughs> like, you know, like dealing with. Well, you know what? I, I think back the same way in the beginning of my career. I'm like, oh my god, how did my like mentors and bosses like how did they put up with that? Yeah. Because right, because they, well, because we were just, all, they were they were the same way once, and they they see right. Yes. Um. So you know, I did that. I, I when I left that because the market crashed, I went into strategic consulting. I was their friend nanosecond. Um. And what I what I realized very early was strategy was only as good as people's ability to implement. And mm. the strategy and the financial strategies being set by people in a room who were working with a spreadsheet and they were coming up with stuff that people would never do. And then you had right. the other people trying to like run the company and they were coming up with, you know, they knew what people could do, but the ideas that they were throwing to these people, it just, you know, I think this will work, right? And it was, <laughs> there was nothing. Th- so... I've I found myself in leadership and communications consulting and focused on that that gap between you know the executive leadership team and and the people who are making this happen. Um, you know how do you communicate ideas? How do you how do you communicate ideas up so that you can get them approved? How do you communicate ideas into the organization so they get executed? And mm-hmm. you know and to do that, there's a lot of curiosity that's needed. What's the problem we're trying to solve? Uh, how do we def- how do we create a concrete problem out of <laughs> these amorphous like ah we're not getting it done? Um, and then how do you how do you tell truth with empathy? Right, like how do you actually dissent in an organization without uh, getting your head chopped off? And how do you tell mm-hmm. an employee that hey I need you to do something different without demotivating them? So all those values that like they kind of they came in. So uh, I spent a decade uh, doing that consulting, and that turned into a um, uh, that turned into me, you know, then the social media came out. And so I was doing a lot of uh, uh, social sale, selling and social recruiting, right? So social media became an amplifier on the communication side and a complication. Um, you know, and I'd written the books while I was doing the consulting. Uh, so, you know, I already had a voice, you know, I was an early voice on social media. So I got into that. The consulting became a product. Um, I was helping people tell their stories. I found that, you know, the the core of being able to communicate well was know your own story. And, you know, between, right, especially with LinkedIn for professionals, hey, there's yeah. a place for that. So, uh, you know, people would ask me, what's a good photo on LinkedIn? I'm like, that's the wrong question. It's like, what's your story? What story are you trying to tell? And what's the right yeah. photo for that story? Um, right. So, uh, so I developed a tool to be able to, uh, I had a co founder, we developed a tool to be able to collect. Uh, help people do this at scale. And then all of a sudden you're collecting, you know, a thousand employee stories. Well, now you've got structured data. We could go back to the company and we could say, oh, you want to recruit engineers in San Francisco? Let's look at the 50 you have. Here's how they're telling their story. Here's how to market to them. Here's your employer brand. Uh, yeah. You know, um, yeah. so, um, so built that, that company was acquired by a, a company called the Muse uh, in New York, a great firm. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then I spent a few years really focused on, uh, this notion of adoption, like getting people to take action. So working with a lot of HR tech companies on driving adoption and, uh, it's led to one thing leads to another. And now I've got, I've got my job, uh, at Cielo, you know, which is a talent partner working with global companies to make sure that their talent acquisition is smooth as silk, um, uh, and um, and I've got a passion project on the side, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, and you know, both of them are just—they're a lot of fun. I get to do what I do, and and you know, yeah. and 
help people in, uh, uh, we'll talk about the personal stuff, but even professionally, like, to be able to apply those values to help people get work, right? And get <laughs> meaningful right. and rewarding work. It's, it's um, uh, I don't know, somehow it fits. Right. No, that's the thing, though. And because I want to get into the personal story, because that's what people are here for. They want to know what, yeah. where, where, yeah, yeah, yeah. where was everything fine and it wasn't fine. Mm-hmm. But what you're doing is is so important because people think that they have to leave their personal life at the door when they go into the <laughs> professional life. Well, in, in 2009, I think I, I think it was 2009, I, I got a trademark on the term professional because prefer really yeah, oh cool right it's like i'm i was doing social media work right and i'd have people say well i will never uh be friends with my boss on facebook and i'm like well that's good for you but you know what's going to happen in three years you or your best buddy at work are going to get promoted and now you're connected to your boss on facebook right and and you know and you may tell your brother-in-law you don't want to connect with him on linkedin uh have fun at thanksgiving dinner i don't want to be around right, right? so <laughs> the, so it the um, this binary, you know, one side's one, one side's the other. Just the carrying cost of that was so yeah expensive that I'm like, this doesn't work. Right. We need a balance, right? And now we're we're doing it again, right? Everything got smirched during uh, COVID, and everything, you know, it was like, let's mix it up. And now we're finding, whoa, too far, too far. We need, we need, we need some balance. Um, so well, right, where is the balance in terms of what employers res- are asking for? And I'm not asking for the answer yeah. for this, but I'm uh, just saying like they're they're where the balance and your personal life. But I'm seeing a lot of people, especially on LinkedIn, talking about this whole like idea of work life balance. And I don't even think there is a balance. No, I think it's, it's all an integration because at the end of the day, it's all one life. It's all your life, whether you're at work or you're at home or you're, you know, out in your community you're one person and it's your life. This is, these are all pieces of it. Yeah. But it's all integrated into one person's life. <laughs> well, and, and this, look, this is the transition, right? Cause I, I, this smacked me in the, in the face. Like I'm, I'm off doing talks and I'm, I'm being really piffy, you know, and this is a decade ago and, uh, I'm giving these talks about exactly this and I'm saying things like, you know, there is no such thing as work life balance. You know what the opposite of work is? Play. You know what the opposite of life is? Death, right? So if you put work over here, you kind of assume play is over here. So, But if you put life here, now play and life are in the same bucket. If you put life over here, death is kind of subconsciously over here. So now work is death, right? It's like, this is a mess. And uh, and it's one thing to conceptualize that. I had to, uh, I had to figure that out in a hurry in 2018. Um, You know, and, and you said like when... When did you think things were fine and they suddenly weren't weren't fine? Uh, so, so twenty sixteen was an awful year for me. So twenty sixteen, um, you know, I got divorced and I had a kid who got sick and I put my dog down. It was just it was a mess. And then in twenty eighteen, I am literally negotiating for a job. I am going from ten ninety nine to W two. Uh, nobody at the company I was going to knew that my daughter was sick. Because when you're a consultant, like you, you do, you, know, you yeah. keep some of this stuff to yourself. And I lost my daughter, 15 years old. She had been in chronic pain, horrible chronic pain for three years. And she died of suicide because she's just like, no, like I'm not living my entire life in pain. Mm. I'm in the middle of that. So I had to figure out uh, that whole work life thing. Like 
in one day while I was a complete mess. Um, so, you know, the universe is like, oh, yeah, you're going to talk about this? You're going to make this your... <laughs> like, all right, uh, yeah. let's, <laughs> let's see you live your values now, Sidon. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> right, right, right. And um, that was, you know, July 22nd, you know, and that, that, mm. that was the day that everything stopped being fine. Yeah. And then, and then what? Uh, then I like, get... I, I mean... Right? How... Yeah. So then right, I got because, lucky. Because you're still here. Of course. You're still breathing. And, and I can't even imagine... I don't have children. I can't even imagine what that feels like. Yeah. Or so, how you manage to pick your head up off the pillow and get out of bed ever again. Right? All right. So first of all, don't imagine it. Like, let me just be really clear. I tell this to everybody. Because I can't. Yeah. Well, and the natural reaction, you hear something like that. You're like, oh my God, I can't imagine. Please don't. Right? Like, listeners, don't imagine. This isn't This isn't like you're hanging out with your friends and somebody's like, ooh, ooh, th- this, uh, you know, this salad dress tastes funky. Try it. Right? It's not you're one right. of those. Right? Like, right. this is... Which, the answer to that is always no anyway. Yeah, right. But but this, they, this was a dark hole. And, you know, what mm-hmm. I would tell everybody is do not imagine how dark this hole is. In fact, I, I don't want to be here. I certainly don't want you down in here with me. Throw me a rope. Tell me, like, go give your kids a hug. Go give your spouse a hug. Go tell me you took your pet for a four-hour walk. Like, don't say I can't imagine. Tell me, you know what? I hear you. I just had dinner, and we all put our phones down and looked each other in the eye. Like, the best dinner we've had in years. I want to hear that story. That's the rope. Get me Mm. out of here. Um, Thank you. And so, and I got really lucky because that that realization that that's what I needed and wanted hit me like a a thunderbolt. Um, So- how do you get out of bed initially? Well, shock is protective. Thank God for shock. Sure. Uh, two or three days after Elle died, after my daughter died. Uh, well, first, well, let me back up. Before I even get to my realization, uh, I was very lucky. Uh, I have a woman in my life, Lisa, who was just incredibly supportive. She showed up and, like, you know, we she took care of everything. I had, like, my own personal uh communications team right so people didn't know how to talk to me and she was fielding all that and and sort of bridging the communication so that people knew that i wanted to hear from them and they had some guidance mm-hmm. on what to say it was incredibly helpful really really lucky to have uh, to have help and and i had to let that in i i don't i'm i'm a guy of a certain age like I, you know i help you you don't help me uh yeah so accepting help and allowing myself to break down in front of people was um I just went with it. Uh, and I think it was the the third day, right? So two, the second full day after after um, Al died, I was a puddle. I was on the floor. I was like a cat, you know, in the window, in the square mm-hmm. of light on the floor watching dust particles with, you know, snotty um, Kleenexes all over. And I was alone. Um, you know, I'm in a, my apartment. Um, and I just had... Um, I had this thought, um, it didn't even feel like my thought. And it was, um, here is this girl who, with her birth, my, my oldest born daughter, with her birth, expands my capacity for joy beyond what I thought possible. And now with her death, has just expanded my capacity for grief beyond what I thought possible. Mm. And what a gift to be able to, you know, to expand my capacity for life. What a gift that is. And I suddenly became so appreciative for this ability to live more life and for this expanded experience. And it's not that I wasn't sad all of a sudden. I was just 
like at a meta level, I was joyful for the ability to feel deeper sad. And I was mm. joyful for the ability to, I remember, you know, for having, you know, I recognized that I was able to experience greater joy. I'm like, oh, this is incredible. And then, and then the voice, right? And usually this voice is trying to talk you into a good mood. You know, so you're going to a party and you you look really good. And then somebody on the street kind of like, eh, gives you one of these. You're like, oh no, do I look, right? And mm-hmm. the voice is like, don't listen to that person. That person doesn't know you. <laughs> Ignore them. Right, right. And, so that voice starts in and that voice starts telling me. So I'm, I have this, like the clouds have parted and I am joyful. My daughter's just died and I am, I have this, this like transcendent moment of joy. And then the voice starts and the voice is like, you can't be happy. No, no, no. If this, if this had been a mentor or grandparent or even an older parent, this would make total sense. But this is your daughter. You're, you're not allowed. And I remember, um, I remember, like, you know, you have the dialogue in your head. I'm like, voice, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Wait, you, who you are never you? Work, like, I know you. You're always trying to talk me into a good mood, and it never works. And now you're trying to talk me into a bad You are an impotent, like, fuck off, you know? And I am sitting alone in my apartment, and now I am laughing. And I am, I'm just, like, laughing at the ridiculousness of being happy i'm laughing at the ridiculousness of trying to talk myself back into sadness and i'm laughing at the ridiculous of of i'm just laughing and with you know just the joy of being able to Mm -hmm. so i had that moment and that moment has been a true north that became my value you know all the stuff i grew up with took a back seat to that moment and and what i took away from it uh, and this is all happening in an instant, right? I mean, the mood right, lasts right. 10 minutes. But what I took away from it was I cannot honor my daughter crumpled up on the floor. I honor her by living a full life. I honor her by feeling all the emotions, by being in the moment, by experiencing the highs and lows, and by putting love into this world. And, you know, if her legacy is that her dad fell apart, And, you know, and then her sister falls apart and her mom falls apart. And then her dad, you know, is remarried and then brings that badness, you know, to his kids and to her. Like, holy, like, how awful would that be? That's not what she would want. And that's Mm -hmm. not what I would want. So um, it's a little selfish, but it's joyful to put joy into the world. That's what we're here for. And um, I hate the way I learned the lesson. I absolutely, you know, people say right. I wouldn't change a thing because it's what, I, hell no, I would much rather have reached here a different yes. way. Yes. You know, and, and I have right. moments where I, I wish I would have had, you know, I, I wish I had like my small life back and it, but, but it did crack me open. I do know that. And I think it is absolutely why we're here. So I get up every day and I make my bed every day and I make mistakes every day. But I try to put a little more joy and a little more love into this world every day because that's why we're here. And that's the yeah. best way I can honor Elle. Yeah, I and love that. Fine, that's right? so, that is so beautiful. And I have two things. I want to go back to the voice that was trying to tell you that you needed to be sad. Because I think that we often hear that that same voice, our own same voice, that's like, well, wait a second, this isn't the appropriate response to the situation. And then we go, oh, yeah, that's right. And we'll like fall back into what is expected. And it's a matter of recognizing that that voice is probably not really you. 
it's probably not your inner truth. Your inner truth was telling you to be joyful. But somewhere, some conditioning in the back of your, you know, other than conscious mind was like, well, wait, this is a sad occasion. No happiness here. And so we could listen to that. Yeah. And this is why, again, it's so important for people to really tap into what is your inner voice telling you? Your inner voice was telling you, find the joy here, find the expansiveness. Yeah, it, it's uh, so, you know, I think I this is where this is where the values I grew up with were, help, were helpful, right? That curiosity, mm. um, uh, a healthy lack of respect for authority, I'd say. Right. Mm -hmm. this word, authority should be respected and it's there for a reason. But if you are curious, you poke into things. And right. when, when that authority is like, no, you're like, well, well, why now? <laughs> right. I'll right. accept right. no right. if you can tell me why. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, a, a sign is, you know, life's not fair. Okay. Great. So you don't want me to do this. Well, I guess life's not fair for you today. You know, there, there's a certain, there's a certain flexibility that comes with that. Yeah. Um, but, for me, so I, I ask myself this question a, a lot because it, that's that's all nice, but that's all in retrospect. You know, mm -hmm. I, I can I can sort of make the pieces fit, and I, I spent a lot of time wondering like how, like what do you, what do you do? Uh, because there's a lot of times where finding joy does feel selfish. You know, there is a protocol, there is, or somebody else is going to be hurt. You know, it, life is not always expansive. Sometimes it is zero sum. You know, and it's it's happy for you, sad for me, or happy for me, sad for you, and. What do you do? Um, and what I've discovered is my intuition, my inner voice, uh, that is the reptilian back part of my brain. It moves so fast. It is so quiet. It doesn't feel like anything. Mm. Uh, it feels like, you know, it's it's when you just find yourself changing lanes with, you know, mindlessly. And then a second later, you know, the guy comes flying past you yeah. at 100 miles an hour. Like, oh, my God, how did I, did I see him? Yeah. Did I, you don't know. Um, the uh, The naysayer. Uh, that's the front. It, it has a different quality to it, and it's it's more it's more this than this. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, and I I've had been in therapy. I mean, you don't go through it. I've been through without a lot of therapy. I've also had uh, coaching. I had a, a remarkable coach, and she and I actually went through an exercise where we named those different voices. You know, yeah. is right and. That was really helpful uh, because I I did struggle. I, I got as far as realizing that my intuition I couldn't feel it, but I felt all the other ones. So it just became a an exercise in just shutting everything up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's a fantastic exercise. I've learned that too, and I've worked with um, some of my clients to do that as well. Because you have to realize that those voices or whatever you know, we're not talking like psychotic like but we all have different voices that are coming from different places that have been instilled into us yeah. um that those voices are not truly you they're right. they're talking right. to you but they're not truly you and so if you can name them then it helps separate them from you yeah and you can yeah. address them and tell them to step back take a seat in the back of the bus whatever exactly well and, and i'll 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 say it's it's hard to um it's hard to really uh, understand. Some people, there's stuff here. Like blueberries were healthy before we knew what antioxidants were. Mm -hmm. And I think like with this, like we're talking about, we don't have the words for it. It's true, but we don't have all the words to describe the mechanism. So it's hard to describe the quality of these voices if you haven't been through this or if you haven't been sort of born with a, a little extra know-how. But some of these voices make you 
uh, excited or exhilarated and expansive. And some of them, it's more anxious and closed off. And it takes a lot of practice to like figure out the difference between anxiety and, and exhilaration. They're very, very close. Right? They are because the feeling in the body is the same. I was just having this conversation the other day with a friend at lunch because she was with me the day that I was uh, stepping into a room I was going to speak in a couple of days later, and it was the biggest room I'd ever been on stage in front of. And she said, hey, you know, the feeling of anxiety and the feeling of excitement are the same. So if you're feeling anxious about it, just switch it and pretend you're feeling excitement. It's the same feeling in the body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it, yeah. And so it, it becomes like, it becomes this, um, I don't know how much, I don't know how much I create. You know, when I speak, I literally will focus on throwing my energy out to the corners of the room mm-hmm. Because I've learned the expansive is good, the contraction is bad. So I create the expansion if I need it. Um, and at this point, I think I probably do more creating of the good than finding of the good. But that's the that's the gut check. It's like when I feel that anxiety, you know, or you know, there's there's analogs there um, to other pairings of emotions. When I feel one of those, the the check is: can I expand? Can I can I make it excitement? Can I make it something uh, good? you know, for me and bigger and more open and taking care of people. And if I can, okay, great. And if I can't, uh, it's probably not a voice I need to be listening to. Oh, yeah, that's that's gold right there. What you just said, that that piece right there. Um, And I would further go, not just can I expand the energy or can I expand this? What can I do to expand? Yeah, right. Yeah. Asking that asking that question of yourself. Um, you know, it's interesting. Um, for a long time, I couldn't get that far. It was just where am I, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, early days, uh, I, you know, I found the joy. It was a true North, but there were a lot of days I was like, yeah, I'm not reaching joy today. Mm-hmm. We're going to go for acceptance. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, can I you know accept what? It? And there's nothing wrong with that. Like no, but some it's... days that's where you're going to be and, and allowing yourself to be there. That's what I mean. Right. It's it. So I, I hear you and I agree with you. I just, I don't want to, I don't, I want to respect the process. Uh, mm-hmm. So I used to say anger was the lowest usable emotion for me. If I could get angry, I could direct that outward. Mm-hmm. Since going through this, anger is actually not even a usable emotion for me. I'm not saying I don't get angry. It's just mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of moved up a little bit in that, in that ladder. Um, but there were plenty of days I'm like, um, I'm depressed. The sheets are a thousand pounds. That I would fight through. That it would be like, nope, I'm getting out of this. It's going to hurt. It's going to, you know, it's like mm-hmm. working out or something. You're like, I'm just going to grind it through. But I would sort of at the same time sort of dial back. I'm like, I'm not going to reach joy. Can I reach acceptance? If yeah. I can reach acceptance, that would be great. No. Can I reach apathy? <laughs> right? Like, right, can I just right. get that far? Yeah. And, and then when I clear that hurdle, I'm good for the day. Right. And sometimes that's as far as I got. But sometimes taking the pressure off would then allow me to move up. But when I... The first, the first little while, I would keep reaching for joy, and there were a couple of days where that just set me up for disappointment. I'm like, right. why can't I get it again? You know, yeah, it's too high. So yeah, it's like, what can I do? But sometimes you, you what can you do? You can lower your your standards, <laughs> right, <laughs> right, 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 which is completely valid and and nothing wrong with it. Yeah, we yeah. just don't talk about it. So right, it I'm glad you brought that up because that is absolutely wherever you can get to, and all the people who are out there cheering you on, going, "Come on, you can get!" Like some days you just don't have it. It's like some... having energy, you know. Some days 
you kill the workout at the gym and some days you just you go through, through the motions. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, so, but you still yeah. showed up. Well, that you have to do every day. Um, and that, the other thing that kind of dawned on me was I was very lucky to have this moment. And I knew right then I was surrounded by people who did not have it. And, you know, I mentioned earlier about metabolizing support and, you know, some mm. of the mentors and people I had supported me in ways that I, I couldn't metabolize. I recognized instantly I had just reached a level that was going to be foreign to a lot of folks. And sure enough, I mean, I went through a grief group. I'm like, I can't do group because too many people in there were just in love with their sadness. Mm. And, um, you know, and then there's people who, you know, haven't, well, people who have had significant loss will sometimes look at me like I have three heads. Like, what? you're not allowed to be this happy. Um, yeah. And sometimes people who haven't been through it look at me the same. Uh, but I've, I've, I've realized, it's taken me a while to find the balance. This is who I am. I never wanted to be the guy who lost his daughter, but I can't stop being a guy who lost his daughter. Yeah. And so, you know, I have five kids, you know, and, and I lost one of them. Right. And mm -hmm. that's part of my story. And I can tell that story and I can be, I can have a smile on my face and I can be sad for the moment I'm telling it. And then I can bring it back. And if I'm talking to somebody who doesn't understand how I can go through that emotional journey, that's okay. Mm -hmm. I just demonstrated something for them. They can go walk and kind of figure like, oh, all right, I guess, is that possible? I just saw somebody do it. It's like Ooh, a magic right. trick for some people. Yeah. Um, but you but you have to show up. And, um, you know, and I, I did spend some time, once I got my own stuff squared away, I spent some time figuring out what story I wanted to tell and how I wanted to tell it because I knew there's something important for people to experience through me here. Yeah. Uh, and I... It was really important for me to make sure that I, I was putting it out there in a way that people could reach it. Well, and it comes back to what you said earlier, which was uh, uh, know your own story. Yeah, right. And you get to shape that story and tell it to yourself and to others however you would like it to be. <laughs> well, uh, I will respectfully agree and disagree with you. Yes, that is true. And it is most true when you when you realize you're a walking cliche. I am a walking cliche. I am who I So there is a right story for me. And it, when I can embrace the story that is true for me, with then then we're all good. People are not going to mm -hmm. be not everyone's going to get it. Some people will be wrong on the margins, but um yeah, it's bizarre. This is a paradox. It's a it's a koan. I mean, there is one right story. Like I shouldn't say one. There are some right stories for you. You can tell whatever story you want. Whatever story you want is right. Okay, but when you figure, when you align with one of those stories that actually is right for you, like the whole thing just resonates off the charts. You know, right? right? It's yeah. It's like you're you're playing guitar. You can hit whatever note you want, but when you hit the three that kind of go together, you get a chord and it makes music, and so. That's right. I think I think a lot of people like they think, oh, I can tell whatever story, I can shape whatever story. It's like, yeah, but that's not an excuse to go hit three random notes. You still should try to find the resonance. Yes. And thank you for that clarification. Cause what I was saying or what I was trying to say is that we get to shape who we become and yeah. the story that yeah. we tell in the world. Yeah. And I'm when you find those right notes and that's truly who you are, that's your truth story. 
Yeah. So I, yeah, you know what? I agree with what you're saying. It's having been through this journey and, and having to facing that whole personal professional thing in the moment, I realized in an instant where the stuff that I had been sharing, like where it was just surface Mm. and where it ran deep. And I very quickly was able to go like, yep, surface stuff is gone. We're just going to focus on the deep stuff. Uh, and there's just, there's a lot there that goes unspoken um, that uh, I found myself uh, grappling with. So I, so thank you for indulging me in, in adding that little bit, because that was, that was something that took me a while to figure out, and nobody had shared that with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's cool. Wow, we have covered a lot of ground today, <laughs> and I know we can go on even further. Thank you. No, but, it's, I, I, it's a pleasure. I, I enjoy telling the story and, and sharing the joy that, that came out of it somehow. Yeah, I mean, it's really special. The other question I was going to ask you when you said you wish you hadn't gone through this experience to get where you are. Yeah. Do you think there would have been another way to get here? No. No. I, I, I believe whatever is, is right. But I also believe, you know, we're, we're like angels on outward bound. You know, mm-hmm. it, you're, we're together and it's a trip and we're in the wild and sometimes a storm happens and sometimes a snake bite happens and stuff, it's not fair and it's not always a reason for it and just is what it is. So, you know, so maybe, maybe I was meant to learn this lesson. I don't, I don't know that I was. Um, all I know is, uh, I couldn't control what happened, but you better be damn sure I was going to control my reaction. Yes. That is, that's all we can do. That's, I mean, really, that's all we have control of is how we respond to situations. And yeah. All right. Before we close this out, two more questions. You know, the one, you know, the one. What's your hype song? So you've been through a lot and sometimes we need an extra boost to help raise the energetic vibration. What do you go to? Uh, it's so ironic because this is a hot energy song. Uh, Welcome to the jungle. <laughs> like, what this been is perfect. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's, it's just, it's the right energy and I know how to take that and just crank it up. I love it. All right. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. And then lastly, if someone wants to continue a conversation with you or find out more about what you're working on these days, how do they reach you? Easiest way is LinkedIn. uh, And it's uh, in slash Seiden, S-E-I-D-E-N. All right. I will put a link to that in the show notes as well. Jason, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a long time in coming and getting you on the show. and, And I'm glad we finally got to make it work. It's a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Take care. We'll see you next time on Fine is a Four-Letter Word. I am so happy I finally got to have Jason on the show so you could hear his philosophies and his story. One of these days in my nomadic travels, I'm going to get up to Chicago so we can finally meet in person. In the meantime, here are the key takeaways. Number one, people are programmed to believe They have to leave their personal life at the door when they go into their professional life. But it's not really possible. Number two, Jason says, there is no such thing as work-life balance. The opposite of work is play. The opposite of life is death. If you put work over to the left, 
you assume play is over to the right. But if you put life to the right, now play and life are beside each other. If you put life to the right, then death is to the left subconsciously. So now work is death. It becomes a giant mess. Number three, you cannot honor those who have passed on before you by staying crumpled up on the floor, but rather by living a full life. As Jason shared, you honor them by feeling all the emotions, by being in the moment, by experiencing the highs and lows, and by putting love into this world. Number four, when you are curious, you poke into things. And when authority says no, you ask, well, why no? I'll accept no if you can tell me why. The answer might be, life's not fair. So you say, okay, great. You don't want me to do this? Well, I guess life's not fair for me today. There's a certain flexibility that comes with that. Number five, for Jason, finding joy is an important value. It's a true north. But some days he says, yeah, I'm not reaching joy today. When that happens, he finds out if he can at least reach acceptance of the situation that day. If not, will apathy be good enough? Give yourself the grace to do the same. Being comfortable with knowing you may fall short takes the pressure off. Thanks for listening to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. If you've enjoyed the show, please follow and share it with a friend. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite platform to help others discover it too. You can find links to my socials on my website, zenrabbit.com. And before you go, take a moment to reflect on what you're grateful for today. Remember, you have the power to create a life you love, and I'm proud of you. Thanks for joining me. Take care.